alike. Welcome to Braving the Elements, Nickelodeon's podcast about all things Avatarverse. I'm Janet Varney. And I'm Dante Bosco. And today it's all about the chase, Varney. And I mean, I've really been traveling all over this country and uh-huh. I actually, I'm right in the same mindset and zone yeah. as our characters here on Team Avatar for this episode because I feel like I haven't got enough sleep in the last few weeks. And so yeah. I'm definitely with them for real right now. It's so true. We have had recordings where you have basically been shooting all night and then you still get up to see my old mug <laughs> on your computer and talk Avatar. And there have been some times when I've had to do episodes without you, which was extremely painful. So you're so right. I was like, oh, we're going to do the chase. Wait a minute. This is your life right now. <laughs> right. So, maybe slightly life. less stressful than what happens to everybody in uh, this particular episode of Avatar. No Azula coming after me, but yes. You didn't I, have I to worry about Azula. Can, Did no. not have to worry about Azula. Yeah, I will say too, like if I had not gotten sleep last night, I could relate strongly to many of the very over the top expressions that Katara has in this episode. There are some very anime expressions that I feel like I think I do make those faces when I haven't had enough sleep. I'm pretty sure I do. It'd be very entertaining to see it. Katara, Sokka, all of them are not doing well during this yeah. one. Yeah. And there are some great classic over-the-top anime in this in this one. So I, I love this episode and it's coming right on the hills of Suko alone, which is yeah. in itself another stressful episode. We we're just inundating the audience with stress. Book two, man, book two is very busy and there's a lot of stressful stuff. And you could say this is a pivotal episode. Uh, You know, we've got all night pursuits. We've got a bunch of different characters all kind of following each other. We've got the epic face off that I know that we're going to take on. But I I don't know. I mean, this is a lot. Do you feel rested enough, Bosco? Do you feel rested enough? Let's do it, Barney. But I think we should bring another friend to help us make sure the chase is on. Yes. I am so excited. We are joined this week by the inimitable and fierce actor, performer, cosplayer, and more. Please welcome Erica Ishii. Hello. What's up? Welcome to the show, Erica. So thrilled and honored to be here. And boy, I hope you're ready for me to ramble about specifically (laughs) this episode because I'm a huge Sergio Leone fan. Uh, I love westerns, and so this has like a little a little a little song of that classic spaghetti western feel to it oh oh so i yeah could not have a better guest to talk about this because you're so right it is like heavy heavy spaghetti western and such Venn a great diagrams way. of all of my favorite things yes! martial arts sergio leone yes! uh you know just uh, avatar like in <sighs> these characters and we're at a point where we're getting like the zuko arc Ugh! It's oh, coming, yeah. yes. It's, it's, oh, it's formulating yeah. during this whole thing. Oh, yeah. So before we get into it, Varney, Erica, let's start at the beginning. Where were you in your life when you first found Avatar The Last Airbender? Weirdly enough, it was only a couple of years ago. Really? It's why, yeah, because it hit right at that age where I was, you yeah, know. Yeah, too old. Well, no, I was I was like specifically targeted. Oh, you, you were But I didn't have cable at the time. Oh, 
I didn't have cable. And so, but I would catch episodes here and there at friends' houses. Right. And I'd be like, wow, this is great. This pulls from all the sort of Asian cinema that I grew up with. And I grew up with anime. And uh, just, but it has this sensibility to the storytelling that's so interesting. But I didn't get that full experience of the arcs, you know, because that was what was unique about it was that there's this ongoing story in the saga and the arcs that is a lot of sort of Japanese style, long storytelling. Yeah. Um, and so I didn't get to see it all until a couple years ago. And I was live tweeting it as I did it. And people were going nuts because they were like, how have you not seen this before. <laughs> it is literally all the thing. It, it's so weird because I feel like I grew up parallel to it and like loving the kinds wow. of things that this was. And so discovering it late in life when I was old enough to appreciate it. Yeah. And then I had like enough different styles of martial arts under my belt to be like, it blew my mind. And, you know, and since then I've been just so obsessed with it and the storytelling of it and, and the way that the cultures are portrayed and world building and the character arcs. Oh my goodness. What a special show. There's something to be said for, you know, seeing it as a young person and then people, we have people on the show who did watch it as kids who are now saying like, yeah, it took me 15 years to watch it the second time or, you know, I've watched it every year since then, but only now am I really able to kind of get the perspective that I, I couldn't have had then. And so for people like you, it's like there's never a bad time to come into it because you're so right. You have all the puzzle pieces all ready to go. And so you know how everything kind of fits together in a way that you wouldn't have known if you had seen it for the first time back then. It's like there's no wrong way to come at it, you know? So I totally get that. Oh, I'm learning a lot of things right now as we're watching it right now, Erica. <laughs> I mean, I was there during the and first time. And he was time. there. I mean, we were there, but you, you know what you do a project, you're not, you're just doing the project. Did you do group recordings at all or, or was it? Yes. As much as we can, like me, Jack, May, we're together, Michaela, we're together, uh, Mako, Uncle Iron, Greg, when he replaced Mako after he's passing, we, we were together as much as we can, unless we were shooting other things. And that, that did mm -hmm. happen. I went off to shoot some films. Other people went off to shoot stuff. And so that happened. But you know how, how it is, it's so many years and it was a different time. It's like you did the projects. It was, it was animation. And it was fun and it was interesting. And we, we would geek out about the stories in the studio with each other, but you didn't understand what the show was going to become and, and all the things you talked about because you're not really watching it visually. You're just talking story with each other in the booth as you save the world. No visuals, just us talking and loving the story as a story. So over the years, going to Comic-Cons and meeting fans, I was learning about the show and the impact of the show as a reflection from them of something I did, which was crazy. And then now as me and Barney are going through episode to episode and really watching it and really breaking it down, I'm really experiencing it almost, you know, the wonder of we, of we talked in the past of watching it for the first time in order. I'm kind of going through that right now. So I, I understand exactly what you're saying. Also, do you find that it means something different to you now and you identify with different characters? Because I absolutely, when I was younger, would have identified with Katara, you know, just sort of right. like trying to make it happen and, and really, you know, serious about it. But now as that I'm older or maybe, maybe even back then, I definitely identify with Azula, which is like for better and worse. Just that like yeah. 
absolutely unshakable drive and resolve. And like the, I remember, you know, in the first episode where she's introduced and they're like, oh, that's like good enough. And she's like, perfect's not good enough. Uh, And I definitely can see that. I have a love-hate relationship with Azula for sure. Emphasis on hate, but it's cool. And I do think about a, a lot as I'm watching it over. I think about her a lot. For sure, because A, Grey Loud does an amazing performance and the character. So, oh, she's so incredible. So incredible and so gifted. And and there's a thing about being in this industry, as you know, there's, as a young artist, you need to have this voracious drive. And yep. a lot of that drive as a young artist is what gets you known in the world, which gets you success. But if you let that overtake you for your whole career, that's also a... You know, you have to change if you do that's not true. change. It's a, it's a cautionary tale for sure. It's a and cautionary that's why, tale. like, I identify so much with Zula, but I want to be Zuko, you know, who does have that same ambition and drive and, and need right. to be that hunger, you know, but also understands and, well, I guess, spoiler alert. Foreshadow report. Foreshadowing report uh, that he has his priorities straight. He understands the value, why you would want to use those skills, why you would want to have them to protect the people you love, to do what's right. And uh, yeah. And Zuko would tell you that she was born lucky and he was lucky to be born. So we're not the same. We're different. That's right. No, but I really appreciate what you're saying, Erica, too, because when you take her on her face and you're just looking at her as the thing that is hurting characters you love and is seems to be taking such pleasure in harming people, you sort of don't take the time to think about that ambition. And then when you do see the big picture and think about where she came from, and even just like the idea of, you know, a certain type of psychopathy, it feels like even the pleasure she takes is so joyless. There's just an emptiness to it. Do you know what I mean? Like, it kind of feels like the hole that can never be filled, right? Yeah, it's soul-wrenching. And she says, like, my own mother, like, said that I was bad. My own mother hated me. And she was kind of right to do so. And it's like such a all these characters are so complex where there are those layers of, yeah, you understand that she's a product of her environment and probably has some sort of neuroatypical something wrong with her, but also a little bad seed. Yeah, there's a bad seed in her, but she's just like kind of aware of it. And that's one of the most scary things in a villain. And it's also so hard to know the nature and nurture thing. I mean, look at her grandfather and her father, especially like, you know, what are you going to do? She may have inherited. She may have just adapted to because to your point, like one parent seemed to sort of favor the other and then one parent favors the other. And then everybody just starts living in that cycle. Right. Where it's like, I expect my mom to hate me. So I'll perform in a way that my mom mom will hate and I expect my dad to love Mm -hmm. me so I'll keep reinforcing that and the parent does the same thing and next thing you know Zuko's got the relationship with the mom she's got the relationship with Ozai and neither one of them are particularly lucky in terms of what that really means like what that parental relationship looks like because he loses her takes it too far she takes it too far Dante she takes it too far too far even as a young child she was like guess what yeah I'm taking this as yeah. far as we can I go. I wish there's, of course, a part of me that really wishes that I'd seen it when I was younger because that kind of character building and storytelling and the exploration into why people are the way they mm-hmm. are um, is so, I think it would have just blown my little mind as a child, you know? And because as an adult, I see it and I see how complex it is and, and how these characters are allowed to be so bad and, and so scary, but 
so deep and and yeah. and you understand they're real. They're so fully fleshed out. And right. I love how looking at any single one episode even you still get a little bit of that journey in every episode. Yes, well said. But Dante, let's ask her the big question, won't you? A few big questions we like to ask. The first one being, if you can bend any element in the Avatarverse, what are you bending, Erica? I want to bend water. Absolutely oh, water. That's you're going fire and you're going I water know. all of a sudden. She's identifying with Azula. You can't see at home, folks, but she's inside a booth that a is... A red cube. It's a fabulous red cube. So we were feeling fire. She's in we a Fire sure. Nation sound booth right now. And so my... The styles of combat, martial arts, and everything that I really enjoy doing are more like Fire Nation. I am definitely fire... But, you know, fire, as, as they say in the show, is just harmful. Like in, in an everyday scenario, you know, we're not really doing much, hopefully, in our day-to-day lives of trying to harm people or trying to hurt or be aggressive. But, you know, water bending that's like, you know, healing and there's water everywhere and, and you know, I'm not going to lie, you know, if I did decide to break bad as a waterbender, I would absolutely bloodbend. Like, I'm <laughs> sorry. Like, I know, oh I know it's wrong. You want to be a puppeteer, In Erica? case of emergency. Look, bloodbending is even darker than uh, firebending as far as I'm concerned, because firebending is, is mostly, you know, straightforward aggression, but... Blood bending is, that you, is where it's inside of you. Yeah, that is yeah, so existentially cool. scary. Not it is cool, so you guys. scary. Not right? Cool. Not cool. All you waterbenders out there, it's not cool. Don't do that. <laughs> Don't do it. <laughs> but truly, waterbending seems like what would be the most useful, the most versatile, the most helpful. Yeah, like probably also one of the least damaging to learn at first. Fair. It's a really good point. Dante's going to try to get over this. Absolutely imagine torching my entire house, like, yeah. trying to learn <laughs> fire. I don't bending. trust myself. I made a mistake. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, she, maybe uh, things can still be rescued, D. You know, we don't have a Fire Nation uh, member joining the ranks, but maybe, maybe in the shipping department, uh, maybe you'll hear some answers you like to hear. Who do we ship? Who do we ship, Eric, in this Avatar? Oh, look, I will die on the hill of Zutara. Zutara forever. On the hill. Let me tell you why. There are people just turned off that podcast right now. I'm sorry. Okay. Listen, it's the fire and the water. It's the character arcs and it's like the enemies. Fire and water may seem. It's all there. All the pieces are there for, and like, look, as I said, flawlessly written show. Incredible. But they should have ended up together. It was there for the enemies to lovers arc, which is a favorite of mine. It was him, you know, earning his way into their hearts, you know, as a yeah. friend and as, as a confidant. It, it was just their personalities made so much sense together. And I love Aang. I love Aang, but he is a child. She would have to be the mom in that relationship. And I have done too much of that to allow it to happen to my girl. Mm, well said, well argued. Wow. 
All right, we got to get into this recap. We've teased it out a bunch already. We know that our team avatars, they're being pursued by this strange machine, so they're not able to sleep. We find out who's behind that pretty quickly. Appa is exhausted. Uh, Everybody's tired. Katara and Toph are having adjustment issues for that reason. And because it's legit hard to add a strong personality into your tight group. Um, That's fair enough. Aang sets up a decoy to try to steer this machine in Azula uh, away from everybody else. It only sort of works. And as we've said, a bunch of our favorite characters come together in a ghost town for a Leone-like showdown. And then we have some really wonderful meetings where we sort of pile all of these key characters in our A, B, and C stories coming in all together. And two of our favorite characters that might be my personal favorite part of the episode but we'll get to that um bosco why don't you take us away get us into it let's get the okay let's go we meet up with team avatar in the earth kingdom at their campsite in what we think is some kind of a a gully i guess and Toph's super excited about the grass under her feet being so soft which of course is appa's hair and so Uh it must be spring because appa's shedding while the guys are unbothered by all the appa hair flying around Katara's a bit grossed out by it all, and she says she's happy to finally have another girl in the group to be grossed out by things like this. But unfortunately <laughs> for Katara, Toph is just as into playing with Appa's hair as Aang and Sokka are, and they're making jokes about the beard and the hat, and all of a sudden Shinx comes out with the hairy pits, anyone? <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> Hilarious. But I also love seeing that because it's just like they're ki- you see the kids in them. You know, they're going yes. to try to say the world, but every now and then they're just, they're just kids playing. But there are yeah. other things about the dynamic between Katara and Toph that we start seeing here about work and about just two strong kind of forces want to confront each other, not wanting to confront each other, trying to be nice, trying. It's like a little ping pong thing going on. Top just doesn't have any of the social graces that Katara is showing at the beginning yeah. of the show, but she can perceive danger before the rest of them. Yeah. There's something coming toward us. What is it? It feels like an avalanche, but also not an avalanche. Your powers of perception are frightening. Yes, so she has this danger, and she's right. The team takes off in the middle of the night. And again, like you said earlier, Erica, all this Leone kind of Western stuff, we see like the Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid where yes, the horses yes. are following them. We start to see who are these unstoppable figures following and chasing our team yeah. avatar. And they're in some sort of vehicle. I don't know what that is. What could it be? Janet? I do want to just quickly insert about this dynamic between Katara and Toph. And Dante, I don't know if you experienced this also. Socialized as a girl, my experience comes out so hard in this. It makes me so uncomfortable. It's one of the things where all of this crazy stuff is happening that's so much bigger, quote unquote, bigger, so much more scary, so much more tense, so much more life and death. And then when the two girls in the group are like picking at each other, I get like so tense and I'm so uncomfortable with it. And I know that dynamic of like the sort of passive aggressive, we're sort of socialized. A lot of us in Western culture, American culture are socialized to kind of like, oh, well, it must be nice to not have to do anything. Right. Um, I'm working really hard. <laughs> like this weird, it you know, the passive me aggressive. jump out of right? my skin. Well, because top, because they call it out, like yes. really at the meeting where she's like, oh, it's so nice to have another girl to like act like a girl with me. And, and, and then immediately we see Toph is not, like she's yeah. not socialized in that way, which yeah. is, yeah, and it's true. It's about socialization. And I'm not saying like 
girls are this way and boys are this way, but it's, we are socialized to not be confrontational. And that is one thing that uh, Katara is really struggling with in this episode. Mm. And oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm so glad you said It's that. so hard. Because it's true. It's a life or death scenario, but that's the real kind of part of the conflict <laughs> yeah. in, in the gang. And it's so funny, too, because we're with, you know, I'm an only child, but, you know, Dante, I know you have siblings. Erica, do you have siblings? Oh, yeah. Two younger sisters. Yeah. The sibling thing cuts right through that. It's like she has no problem just confronting conflict with Sokka and they work through it. They blow up at each other. They talk about it. They mm-hmm. work through it. They move on. And it's this is such a good reminder, I think, to all of us. Like, you don't have to bury your feelings. Things work out better in a way once they just sort of like get their grievances out but the idea Mm -hmm. of like having them be pitted against each other while the guys are looking on is like one of my least favorite things because i am so like we're all the same let's all get along (gasps) kind of and so it's my least favorite thing but they handle it in such an incredibly nuanced way usually it is it's like uh, girls don't get along with each other Mm -hmm. or something but it's Mm -hmm. they address the root of why they are not getting along yeah yeah It's great. All right. So when they find their next campsite, of course, Katara tries again, vainly, to get Toph to help. No dice. And Katara kind of snaps, which, you know, again, understood. It's totally understandable. Uh, They are starting to lose sleep. That's not helping anything. Toph literally shuts her out by just being like, rocks. Here we go. Closed off. Let me close this entire tent off that I've made myself out of rocks. So Aang tries to kind of mediate. He wants to calm things down. Um, (laughs) And then he does the thing that also is tough, where when you're upset about something and someone's like, why don't we just calm down? And then that sends us even more through the roof because you're like, what are you talking? I don't need anybody to tell me to calm down. I'm calm. We have that great anime moment with her veins are popping. I've got plenty to calm. Um, And then that night... Then Katara gets super passive aggressive and like full on taunts Toph about being blind. Yikes. Not her finest moment. Toph retaliates with some bending. But also, again, the thing that's that's happening is causing them to not get along, which is like less and less sleep. But it's also the thing that keeps them from fighting because the thing keeps coming for them. So they don't have time to continue fighting because once again, this thing is chasing them and they have to figure out who it is. We hear a little bit about the way the gang describes Zuko. It could be Zuko. We haven't seen him since the North Pole. Who's Zuko? Oh, just some angry freak with a ponytail who's tracked us all over the world. What's wrong with ponytails, ponytail? What's wrong with ponytails? <laughs> Something very important that we know it's a ponytail. But by the way, it isn't anymore. So this time, Momo gives the first warning that they're in trouble. The sort of locomotive engine tank thing, very steampunk, very cool, has found them yet again. They're trying to figure out should they confront them. And then with his stops and opens, guess who rides out on three very, I have to say, very cool mongoose lizards. It's Azula and May and Ty Lee. I will say the the mongoose lizards look like they want trouble. That's not always the case. Like the Komodo rhinos, I'm not sure look as much like they're up to something as the mongoose lizards. The mongoose lizards come out like, let's go. (laughs) They have the same attitude as Azula, which I don't care for. At first, I thought it was like one of those sheer shoe things. Because I was like, they must have a sheer shoe thing. That's how they're tracking them, right? My initial mind was like, they got (laughs) sheer shoes? Well, you are wondering, how are they finding, you know, because we don't know yet how are they finding them and Toph you know she sees who they are and she's ready she's like I will take them on it's three on three poor Sokka again gets discluded because he doesn't <laughs> bend so wow. 
But then they kind of decide, like, they don't want to stick around to find out who wins. Toph tries to slow them down with a wall. And then Azula just whips some lightning at it. Turns out you can just crumble rock with lightning, which actually is true because my mom's back wall of her little garden got hit by lightning in Arizona. (gasps) There are really intense thunder and lightning storms. Lightning struck the wall 15 feet out from her house and knocked a huge chunk of the wall just onto the ground. So Azula... It's possible. A little fact there. And then May is throwing arrows. She doesn't need a bow. She can just throw the arrows. It's fine. She doesn't need to even have a bow. She's not a bender either. And she's pretty good. (sighs) She can give Jet a run for his money. I would watch a face off between May and Jet and I would worry for Jet. May's pretty gangster for sure. Jet's so hot. I'm sorry. Uh (laughs) Now you got that too. Dante can enjoy Erica's appreciation of Jet because Dante loves Jet also. He's yeah. trouble, man. He's such trouble. a bad boy. He's a very controversial character, Erica. Very controversial <laughs> character. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, okay, so this is happening. Team Avatar is like, we got to get out of here. We just, we can't deal with this right now. So they leave. And I just, this moment where Azula just looks, again, it's the joylessness. It's like yeah. when someone gets away from Zuko, Zuko is like mad, right? He's frustrated. He feels the angst of that. And Azula just looks like, oh, I'm going to have to continue dealing with this. I don't care for it. But it's just like, it's the emotion is so cold and it, it just chills me. It chills me. It's so scary. Right? Yeah, because I understand, Ugh. you know, rage and passion, but just lack thereof is is so unsettling. Yeah, yeah exactly. uh, And things get worse for the gang because now Appa's exhausted, poor thing. Yeah. But then they're just like, oh, look, those girls from Omashu. And we know that they are <laughs> terrifying because we we know who they are. Yeah. But they're like, yeah, they're, they're kind of scary. So, you know, uh, but it's mostly about how they're being pursued by them and they just can't keep flying then we get to check in on zuko who has an ostrich horse he's also trailing he's chasing the steampunk train that is chasing the gang uh and appa just falls out of the air it's it's just (laughs) just poor sweet appa is like appa truly the mvp of this episode i'm gonna say um So the kids are falling out of the sky and they're trying to wake Appa up and he kind of rallies in the nick of time to avoid collision, but he's got to sleep. They've all got to sleep. I was thinking in that moment, like, I wonder if Air Bison, they got to have some kind of like safety mechanism when they fall asleep where they just float to the ground. We can't just go crashing to the ground. Like, there has to be a mode, a dreamlike mode where you can kind of just like drift, slowly drift to the ground. Maybe he would, but it just would have been too late for everybody else because they would have toppled out before that moment. It's like, you got to train the bison to have the safety mode. That's right. Go into safety mode, take a nap, and slowly drift down. Appa likes to sleep on the ground. He's not great at mid-air sleeping. As far as we know, Appa cannot mid-air sleep. Yeah. So they avoid calamity, but he's still down. And Katara and Toph are back at it. You know, yeah. they are sniping at each other. And then Toph drops a bombshell that the reason they're getting tracked is because of Appa's shedding. And Aang, who to this point has been the peacemaker, cannot take it anymore. He's like, what? Like... I'm sorry, my (laughs) flying bison is the MVP and you've been doing nothing. And that's it for Toph. She has decided that she has had enough and she's going to take off. But she was right. They're being followed because of the shedding. It's spring. Um, And Aang feels terrible about this. What did I just do? I can't believe I yelled at my earthbending teacher. 
Now she's gone. I know. We're all just trying to get used to each other. And I was so mean to her. Yeah, you two were pretty much jerks. Thanks, Sokka. No problem. We need to find Toph and apologize. I mean, she was supposed to teach him earthbending, so it's kind of a problem that he chased her off. Yeah, but she but was acting, it was, she had it coming to her, Toph, a little bit. You know, because she has lived kind of a solitary life, you know? She, she's been shut up in the walls of their estates, and she hasn't had to interact. She's totally unsocialized. And she's wealthy. I mean, she's a bay phone. Oh, yeah. So uh, she's, she's off because they, they're not getting along. But it's okay because Aang's got a plan. Yeah, you got to get rid of that shedding. What are you going to do, Dante? What are you going to do? And the plan is called bath time. Bath time <laughs> is the plan. And actually, it was very cool to see them bathe because he's an airbender. He, he had like power jets airbending <laughs> the hair out of, which is great. Yeah. I mean, before yeah. car washes and all the high powered cleaners, it was uh -huh. like airbenders got the job. That's done. right. Get her That's done right. and got it done. That's right. And everyone chips in, even Momo. Maybe they solved their first issue, but Aang has another idea. See, Appa's still exhausted, but he figures he can do a plant decoy thing and kind of yeah. get the bad girls off the trail. And yeah. Toph still is totally on her own at this moment until she meets somebody. And <gasps> she earthbends something, hits a guy, and who is it? She meets Iroh. Out of nowhere, Iroh, in the middle of the desert. Like, Iroh's here? <sighs> So good. I'm so happy to see Iroh. It is such a great moment. Iroh provides so many moments of relief in the times that he has come <sighs> through for Zuko, like when Zuko's about to get on that ship and it turns out like, oh, guess what? Your dad doesn't want you to come home. You are going to be a prisoner. Like Iroh has stepped in and saved not just Zuko, but other people, including helping the Avatar. Yeah. And so you don't even realize like what a feeling or at least I don't until I see him. And then this feeling of relief washes over me like, oh, he's not far. That's got to be good. Like yeah. he's not far from them. Oh, I feel so much better about whatever's going to happen. I just knowing totally. he's around is like such a great feeling. Well, somewhere in your heart when Toph kind of stomps away with a little stank attitude, you're like, she needs <laughs> a little Iroh in her life. And yeah. lo and behold, here comes Iroh. And it's like, right. This is exactly who she needs to talk to. Yes. But before we can bask in that meeting and that whole thing, we cut to the bad girls themselves, Azula, May, and Ty Lee. And then we quickly figure out, we're with them, and they're at the place where they see the tracks end, and they see that maybe someone was taking a bath. There's some funny stuff about clumps. You get to see the personalities of Ty Lee and, and May. Also, <laughs> they're like teenage girls talking about just things and about whatever. And I was yeah. like, that's cute. And so... They figured, well, and the trail leads there. The, the two girls, Tylee and, and May, were like, well, there's a trail, but not Azula. Azula's smarter than your so average. Smart. She's smarter than your average, but she looked at the trees. When Appa originally just kind of flew off tired and he hit those trees, I was like, damn, he's tired. Yeah. But little did we know gonna that be little clue. tired little click was a little bit of a clue. So she's like, you girls go that way. I'm going to follow the trail and see where, you know, she figures Aang's there, the airbender, trying to be. The trickster he is. Yeah. And she's going to go that way. And so the team splits up. Tylee and May head that way, and Azula follows the fake trail. Now Aang's on his glider, dropping clumps of fur. He, too, is beyond tired, so at this point, he stops in a dusty old ghost town. Can you just hear, like, Ooh, the, oh, yeah. there it is. You hear the, the tumbleweeds <laughs> oh, going, yeah. I hear it, I hear it. And he waits. May and Tylee are right on Appa's heels. 
And can they get across the river? Appa's so tired, he makes it. Can we just get across the river? And, and he's going down, he's going down, but he makes it, skips through the river, and he makes it right across the river and skids into the ground. Poor little Appa, or poor big yeah. Appa. But the mongoose lizards, this really impressed me because he's like, we did suck. It's like, we got across it. We just got across <laughs> so, the river. So sad. And then these mongoose lizards that are definitely not sure because they transform on us and they start running uh-huh. like the lizards that run across the water. These dudes start uh, running 100 yard dash across the water. It was pretty awesome. So I need to say, I love those. Have you seen footage of those lizards that run across yes, the water? Yes, of course. Of course. They yes, are yes. so funny looking when they do it like like they look like they're like like flailing their arms and like it's just <laughs> so good and they captured it beautifully it's with so the great. animation for it. it makes you think like what were the first lizards that thought they could do that like why do we need to do that like how, they're not even that big how far are they going on this water they're like we definitely don't want to get wet if we run fast enough maybe we could run on top Turns of out. the water for as long Turns as we can out. <laughs> Turns out they can yeah. and they do. Maybe they're just doing it for fun. I don't know. What are they doing? I don't know if you guys noticed this, but I swear the sound that the lizards make when they reach the water, and I know it's Dee Bradley Baker, our friend, but I swear Shout out to Dee Bradley it Baker. sounds like they have this personality of enjoying what they're doing. And it's like, it looks like they have a fun, chuckle. Right? Yeah. They're like, they're like, <laughs> like <laughs> it is the mongoose lizards version of saying like, they don't think we can run across the water, but we're going to show them. Like, it's so human. It's true. They and, had to oh. understand that these humans were relieved that they couldn't <laughs> yes. catch them and that take joy in the fact that they have subverted like. those expectations. It's hilarious. It and it reminds like. me of that gif of like the bearded dragon that's like, hey, 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 hey. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yes. Exactly. So how, I mean, I guess Katara tries, right, Dee? Well, yeah. So Katara tries to waterbend to stop these guys, slow them down. And she is scared of Tylee because you said earlier, like, Tylee did something to me where I, she took away my bending, and yeah. which for any bender, I'm sure Terrifying. would freak them out. And so here comes Ty Lee in her cute little pink and red outfit coming at her. And then it's just blades from May at Sokka. These girls are relentless, yeah. relentless on the back of these lizards. They are scary. And then Tylee gets to fight with Sokka and turns Sokka limb by limb into a noodle. Noodle, noodles, limb. totally. Noodles, noodles, noodles. Just nothing and but then noodles. May traps Katara and it's not looking good. And again, they become this very teenage girls. Like I thought it'd be more exciting once we caught these guys, but uh-huh. it's like, whatever. It's like, they're <laughs> so like whatever. They're like so <laughs> jaded, but it's not looking good. But then all of a sudden out of nowhere, right. When we think that the sibling water tribe is in massive trouble, yeah. none but our MVP. Yeah. Appa comes in heavy with his air bending tail and, whips these girls super far away into the ocean. The river gets them all wetted up. And then we see Tylee and May drying off down the river somewhere. And then, you know, Tylee gives a little little shout out to the cuteness of... Was that that cute? <laughs> That's what? the cute moment. Look, I love it. They're still teenage girls. I Priorities. And he is very cute. And also, you know, again, like Tylee, one of the things that's so fun about those two characters is that they too kind of are unbothered by 
a lot of stuff. So in their own way, you know, she's kind of always chipper and May's kind of always over it. And so, yeah, of course she has time to notice. Like, by the way, that wasn't even that hard to fight all those people. And he's kind of cute. Like, she's just going with it. She's in the moment. I love it. So Azula we know has been following these clumps of hair that Aang has been leaving behind and she does make it to the ghost town. And we do have this very spaghetti Western moment. There's this sort of showdown. They're staring at each other across this deserted dirt street sort of. And we realize Aang doesn't know who Azula is, which is such a like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. Like, we saw right. earlier that our team avatar doesn't even know May and Tylee's names. But, of course, we have become well acquainted with them. So it's interesting to see them not in the know. And this is one of those really in crazy moments where you're like, oh, yeah, Aang doesn't know who Azula is. This is so crazy. And then Azula does an impression of Dante, which... I know. It's great, great, great. It's really good. I caught that that great. I caught that great. I had to watch it twice and go, what's great doing here? (laughs) I must kill the Avatar to restore my honor. honor. And then she's like, I know, you can laugh. Like, it's funny. Zuzu's funny. He's just so sad. What a sad sack. Let's both just laugh at him. And so Aang and Azula are facing off. And we even see this great close-up moment where we see Azula's mean-looking fingernails. Like, it's just the little touches are so good. And then finally, we get to see what has been happening with Iroh and Toph, which for me is something that I can't wait to get back to. You get such a teaser of it. And then it seems like a long time passes before you get to go back to Iroh and Toph. But we do get there. And it's not a huge surprise that he's made her some tea. Uh, And he thinks, immediately concerned about her. He thinks she's too young to travel alone. She, in turn, tells him that he's too old to travel alone. (laughs) He is charmed by that. And she's sort of being defensive about herself. But in a way, I think she believes what she's saying, which is she's happy to finally have to take care of herself because she's so tired of being protected. And she doesn't want to or need to rely on anyone. And also, of course, she's been stung by feeling unincluded in the group that she left her whole life to join. And with all the stuff that that Toph is saying, Iroh is reminded of something and someone else. People see me and think I'm weak. They want to take care of me, but I can take care of myself by myself. You sound like my nephew, always thinking you need to do things on your own without anyone's support. There is nothing wrong with letting people who love you help you. Not that I love you. I just met you. And he tells her, about Zuko. And Toph is is curious about Zuko. And Iroh explains that his way of looking at, at Zuko is like, he's trying to figure out who he is. And then he says, I know he doesn't want me around, but if he needs me, I'll be there. And it definitely chokes me up uh, every time. Again, I'm so deep into this idea of this relationship of Iroh having all this love to give Zuko and Zuko not being able to accept it and fully receive it. And Toph says, you know, Zuko's lucky even if he doesn't know it. And Iroh gives uh, the last very quotable Iroh moment of the episode. Sharing tea with a fascinating stranger is one of life's true delights. And then Toph leaves him with a little bit of a truth bomb of her own, which is... Thank you for what you said. It helped me. I'm glad. Oh, and about your nephew... Maybe you should tell him that you need him, too. Oh, it's so good. I it's love this exchange. It's a really beautiful right? exchange, you know, just in terms of <gasps> what the show is about, you know, yeah. because yes. they, they don't know that they're supposed to be enemies, sort of, you know, so yeah. to speak. And they are 
two strangers that just meet and are kind to each other and are able to provide some outside perspective on the things that are troubling them. Yeah. And both of them, their answers are, are it's okay to love. Yeah. yeah. I know. <laughs> I know. It's so good. Uh, and it's, it's just also beautifully paced, you know, to intercut yeah. with the action. Um, yeah. Yes. Because, you know, back in the ghost town, we, we do. We jump back to the ghost town and Azula is taunting Aang. But then Zuko arrives. There's a new sheriff in town. Yes. Bursts out of a building. And new haircut too. Yeah, with a new haircut. It's a very good haircut. (laughs) And like the more hair he has, the nicer he gets throughout this show. I think you can you can chart if you look at this graph that I've prepared. It's like a direct correlation between the amount of hair that he has and how much redemption he has earned. Yes. But he shows up on the scene and Azula says, Oh, you're here, Zuzu. And Aang actually does laugh at that. Because this mortal enemy of his has a cute little nickname. <laughs> but now they're in this one of my favorite. She can't help herself. Three person standoff in the middle yes. of town, of a ghost town, so uh, a classic Western trope. And we don't know who's going to make the first move. And there's that moment of tension. And then Azula hits Zuko with lightning, and then she knocks Aang out of the air. Um, and she's more than holding her own uh, yeah. against both of the boys. Aang, he does this really cool trick with his air scooter um, in the building. He goes into a building. The, right. There's no floor, but of course, you know he can hover. Azula can't do that, but she recovers with this crazy splits move. Yeah. Zuko, of course, takes of course. a face dive okay, of course. straight of course. down from the second story. Really? In front of my sister Aang right now? Why? It's so funny. He was doing well, it. He wasn't doing see, it like, It's doing like, so good. In the- she like dives in the building, does this crazy splits move, recovers. Ugh. Zuko dives in, eats a crow right on oh the ground, goodness. and like she lands, does the three-point landing on her feet yeah (laughs) he can't do anything right he shows up at the fight immediately his little sister calls him some kind of little pet name that is just embarrassing and then proceeds to just out fire bend him at every turn everything he ends up on his face what zuko what are you doing bro it's so you need to get sad, it together. but endearing that he, he tries to seem so cool and so tough, and he cares so much what everybody thinks. He's about usually pretty him. cool but well, until Zula saw- comes in. He's like definitely yeah. less cool instantly. <laughs> And we have Zuko alone so fresh in our minds, right? So we just have yeah. this very fresh memory of Zuko trying to prove himself in front of his dad and being his mom cool. and his he was sister, being cool. trying so hard and failing. And it's like, oh, this is this pattern. This is what he does. You know, it's like, she's fierce and flawless and he is falling through the air into the trap. Yeah, he's never going to measure up in the metrics that his father has set for both of them because she's he shows up and she's literally slicing buildings apart with her lightning. And and Erica, stop talking about blue lightning, please. We know what it is. Let's stop talking about it. I love her blue lightning. Uh, yeah. And she's doing it to show off. You can yeah. see how yeah. much she yeah. That's the thing, as you said, like the joylessness of what she's doing, but she enjoys that she can do it. Yeah. It's all she uh, has. I mean, <sighs> that's where she's put everything she's got. So it's like the only yeah. satisfaction is knowing like I'm the best at this because I have nothing else. 
Oh. So I might as well try to enjoy this to show everybody yeah. how awesome I am. And she blew Flames Aang into a building. Corner. And it's yeah. starting to crumble. And she's got him trapped. And a, a beam falls on him. But yes, then, suddenly, Katara to the rescue. Here comes and your girl. Sokka's there. <laughs> Here come the water tribe. Right. And then... Iroh appears for Zuko oh. and Toph's there. And Everybody. it's just, yeah, this is the point. Everybody's this is here. the showdown where all of these storylines converge because we've yes. been watching everybody separately and suddenly they're all meeting each other and we see the dynamics play out together Amazing. and they're all versus Azula. Well, look at this. Enemies and traitors all working together. I'm done. I know when I'm beaten. You got me. A princess surrenders with honor. And what does she do, Erica? What no, does don't make do? me say it. Don't make me say it. <gasps> she dares to say in the name of honor. That's the thing, is she backs down, puts her hands up, says that a princess surrenders with honor. Then you see the moment where she looks around and she looks for the weaknesses in the group and she realizes it's Uncle Iroh. <sighs> She's going to hit her own oh, uncle her with own. that blue lightning. She gets him right in the chest. Oh and, my and, God. and it's just such a heart-wrenching moment because Zuko, he suddenly realizes what he means to him. It's just, I don't know, as, as a viewer, I flash back to all of those moments that Iroh has been there for Zuko. Yes. And now Zuko has to be there yes. for Iroh. And so no, we so... have that Heartbreaking moment. How dare she hits her <sighs> uncle? She says she's gonna do it for honor. And then yeah. she hits her own uncle with lightning in the chest. We see Oof. how different Zuko is. And we have her. Yeah. She is a gift to Zuko and to us because we see what real evil or evil doing at least looks like and it's yeah. not an accident that she uses the word honor right i mean having her say that we realize like for everything he's done he really does believe that he's operating from a place of honor and he really is trying mm -hmm. and he has made honorable decisions with respect to the avatar and with respect to katara and with respect to any number of other people that he did not want to win but he has behaved with honor. And now we see that when he uses that word, he really means it. And when she uses it, it's a tool. It's a tool. It means nothing. It is nothing. Azula <laughs> goes too far yeah. every single time. Yeah. She yeah. will do whatever it takes to win and to achieve oh all goodness. of her objectives. Yeah. And that's. There's times I want to see like Azula have a redemption arc. I'm like, I want oh, Azula I think about that a lot. I and think I, about I guess, that. you know, but then in moments alert. like this, yeah. in moments like this, you're like, no, 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 no. It's no, real no, bad. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> you just want to see her suffer. Yeah. <laughs> And everyone wants to help. You know, everyone's yeah. like, oh, no, let us help you with Iroh. And Zuko's just like, get out of here. No. Yeah, because, you know, the battle resumes and everyone attacks, but she bamfs out of there, you know, mm. in a smoke cloud. Uh, and then Zuko is trying to help his uncle because he you can see in his eyes he like finally gets it he understands what's most important rough, rough and moment. he refuses to accept help from katara um who could 
really heal him with her I know. He didn't really hear her. It wasn't really listening to her. It was just overcome with emotion. He wasn't hearing her. You're right. Yeah, he's just so distraught. And in that moment, not to project, but I think he's not mad at them. He no, blames himself. No. He's For just sure. emotional. Yeah. For sure. And he, he likes to throw fireballs when he's mad. He just he <laughs> clears For the sure. room. Yeah. And so it's really in a very subdued mood that all of them do escape and manage to bed down for the night and it's really kind of sweet though because we get that moment of rest for them and they're all all of them are cuddling up together Mm -hmm. on top of appa and getting to rest but yeah it's it ends on a cliffhanger cliffhanger uncle iroh we don't know zuko iroh we don't know what's going on couple of quick things from a sort of technical point of view, a couple of things that are in the um, DVD extras that are also reflected in, for example, Avatar Wiki, are these sequences that the designers had to do, the animators had to do, imagine storyboarding and animating all four elements attacking the same target and keeping track of everyone's movement. I mean, it was hard enough for them as they're imagining designing the face-off between uh, Azula and and Zuko with with Aang. Now you have everyone there right. getting involved. So it's a major technical achievement for the amount of stuff that happens in that showdown at the end. Serious salute and hats off as always to the animation to the team yeah. for yeah. somehow I making just, all of that gorgeous. Amazing. Yeah, I mean the elements and the creativity with which they use them, and the fact that all of the styles, you know, sort of correlate and really are real world styles you know and they and they feed in so stylistically well into different elements is is just so impressive to me and then you gotta say how impressive azula is because she got out of there all (laughs) elements coming at her it's true and she got out (sighs) azula she's bad but she's the queen Interesting you would use that word, Erica, because I was going to do a little one-question quiz, which was, what does Toph call Katara in this episode? I know this one. Yeah. Yeah. Sugar queen. Yes. The sugar queen. the best insults. Which is like such a funny... Sugar queen. She's like, sugar queen. (laughs) What? What? It like kind of means something, but you don't really know what she means, which is sort of amazing. I love when people say stuff and you're like, huh, that's not very nice. What did you, what did she mean? I don't know what you meant by that, but now I want to punch you in the face. I have no clue what you meant by that. It's not so much what you said as the way you said it. it. That's right. That's right. Love that moment. I have to say, again, I'm afraid of them, but I admire the mongoose lizards. Those are kind of our big hybrid animals for our Animal Crossing. Very cool looking. This episode. Um, we love our ostrich horse, but, you know, he's yes. an old standby, yeah. he or she. I don't know what that ostrich horse is, but it's a good companion. It's been a good co- and true companion to Zuko since they stole it uh, earlier in book two. Um, <laughs> now, this is a tough one because a lot of a very specific type of bending happens through most of the episode right. by one MVP. So when we talk about most valuable bending and non-bending moments, it's hard to ignore that Appa is tasked with trying to get, you know, he's working so hard this whole episode. So I don't know how you take that into account with then this like huge showdown that happens at the end with all kinds of bending happening. What are you both thinking about most valuable bending for the episode? Obviously, the most valuable bending moment for 
my sister Azula's when she firebended some lightning into her uncle's chest because yeah, that got valuable away for her? from yep. the business. Yeah. That was very valuable for her in that dire moment. For the rest of the gang, I don't what do you what are you thinking, Erica? What do you think? You know, I, I do have to go a hundred percent with the lightning to the chest moment because it's not only valuable in terms uh, of like hero moments. Yeah, I mean like I'm not saying it's good. Ooh. I'm saying it's the most thing well, it's like that's Whoa. the thing that I walked away from the episode caring the most about. Well it yeah. took the stakes to another level in yes, the whole, exactly. the whole series. We went to like we're going there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, even in the series, in terms of plot overarching throughout the entire thing, if anything had happened, if anything does happen to Uncle, like, I don't, I could not, I'm speechless with how upset I'd be. (laughs) I mean, I think it's the most valuable because in book one, when the stuff with UA happened, it was dark. Mm -hmm. And we went, Mm -hmm. oh, this is heavy. And then again, we get to that place in book two where something happens that's above escalation. and beyond. Yeah, the stakes get raised to a, another level on this journey and adventure. Listen, yeah. I am not going to disagree with either of you, but I do think it's very interesting that the character who only cares about bending and has nothing else to offer except bending. That's a good grid to allow. It's a good really allow. good Azula. <laughs> You've really given her the trophy. You have given her the only trophy she cares about if she were here. The only trophy she would care about getting mm-hmm. is the trophy you just gave her. So that's very brave of you both. It's very magnanimous. <laughs> it's very practical. You're being very practical and very honest. And you're coming at it from a non-biased place. And I totally respect that. Mm-hmm. And so I guess we're going to give it to her. And we're scared of her. And we're scared of her. (laughs) We're scared of her. I mean, well, and it just goes to show, too, that it's not even about, like, what the move is. It's how you do it. You know, the fact that she did it treacherously and, you know, against her own family member and as a distraction to get away. You know, she was trying to kill him. What's wrong with her? That's what's wrong (laughs) with her. All right, let's talk about most valuable non-bending. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, gosh. It's got to be Uncle Iroh talking to Toph. I mean, yes. I, I think so, yes. too. And Toph talking to Uncle Iroh. It's bo- it goes both ways. It's, uh, it goes yes. both ways. That whole mm-hmm. conversation is the most valuable non-bending. Let me suggest this. I think we could widen out the most valuable non-bending. I know we say moment, but it's kind of one long moment of Iroh just following Zuko in the first place. Because if he weren't following him to be close to him, to be there for him if he needs him, he never would meet Toph and they would never Mm -hmm. have that conversation. And he would never have been there. And regardless of what happens to him, if Iroh could choose who Azula was going to hit with lightning, not knowing what was going to happen, you know he would have said it should be me. He would want to be there to be the target because he would not want anyone else to get it. Not the Avatar, not Katara, not Sokka. Not tough. He would want to take it, and he would feel like he. But know, if that he was knew she burden. was going to do that, he would have redirected the lightning because we know he could do that. Nonetheless, but he didn't know. He didn't even know his own niece would do that. Even to him. if he knew he couldn't redirect it, he would still yeah. say that. So I think I love the sort of harmony disharmony of the person who gets the most valuable bending is the person who's responsible for the most valuable non-bending. I think that's brilliant. I like Whoa, it. I like yeah, it. I'm with it. Man, I'm with it. I love you, Uncle Iroh. Good. Love you, Uncle Iroh. Oh, oh my gosh. Sorry, Uncle. You know, it's funny because when you think about Lord Ozai's entire family, everybody is driven by this 
unstoppable ambition, this need to never give up. And it manifests differently in all of them. In Azula, it's power, you know, and in Zuko, it's regaining honor. And in Iroh, it's in protecting his family. Yeah. Great point. Being oh, there for them. What a fascinating yeah. family. Just one by one. You're so right. Uh, Erica, oh my gosh. What an invaluable, brilliant, and wonderful time. voice we've had with us for this recap. Thank you so, Thank you. so, so much. <laughs> please come back for more. Please, please, please. Anytime you want me. Thank oh. you. What a joy. Where can people find you? What do they need to be checking out otherwise that you're I'm doing? I'm on Twitter at Erica Ishii, and I am on Instagram at the Erica Ishii. I guess you can hear my voice in uh, Apex Legends or yes. Call of Duty or yes, uh, Halo Infinite or where any fine video games are are purveyed, I suppose. <laughs> uh, also, <laughs> I, I am starting my run on a Critical Roles campaign, uh, campaign three. Nice. Awesome. We're a little bit of right guys. now. Uh, that is awesome. For Exandria Calamity, but Love we'll be back guys. and I will be tagging along with them. Brilliant. Cuties. So that's a beautiful combo yeah. right there. That's a dream a combo. Great adventure with those Thank guys. you. Huge yes, Avatar The Last Airbender fans, by the way. Oh, uh, we're going to get him. We'll get him. <laughs> that was so great. Thank you. Oh my gosh. That was amazing. And so after all of that, you know, we were so obsessed with Azula's blue lightning for, I think, very obvious reasons this episode. Our good friend Promote at Avatar Studios reminded us that this is actually just Azula's blue flames in this episode. So our obsession did not necessarily yield the facts on this one. It's flames, not lightning in this episode. Whoops. Thanks for listening to Avatar Brave the Elements and make sure to subscribe and please leave us a review. It really helps the podcast so much and me and Janet really appreciate it. Next week, we will bring you our Braving the Elements live at San Diego Comic-Con recording that happened this past July with very special guests Jack DeSena and Phil Lamar. You can follow me on social media at the JV Club on Instagram and at Janet Varney on Twitter. And I'm at Dante Bosco on both of those. We'll see you next Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.